You want to find your tribe of raving fans. I'm going to help you do it. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 316 Media, where we help you do better business. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lamb, and this is episode 7 of Digging Deep, and we're here with uh, an amazing person, uh, a client of ours, um, but also a very good friend. She has been the leader of the year for the Fairmont Group in 2015, and she is, well, she was on her way to work remotely for one full year all around the world, um, and that got cut short because, well, the virus has taken us all over. Um, but so she went to Santiago, and then they had to suspend it. She sent back uh, to Vancouver. So for the time being, I have the luxury of having my good friend Tiffany Elsner here from North Wild Leadership. Tiffany, how are things? Woo! What a time to be alive, Justin. <laughs> um, they are going, I think, wildly. And I think that's that's a big part of even my brand is 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 finding the beauty and the fun and the connection in in the wild right it's with uh with the virus spreading all over the world um a lot of small businesses including myself are going through a time of turmoil and um an opportunity is arising right for us to find out how we can serve and how we can be of value to each other during this time yeah, and for you, working remotely was uh, was really interesting. I mean, it, it comes at a really perfect time because, like, your whole objective was to be able to help teams um, and leadership uh, groups to be able to work remotely with teams and help foster uh, a, a good environment. And so, it's funny that uh, like you you're on this tour and all of a sudden you get cut off. But but how does that work now? Like like what is going to happen and you know what are you guys doing as you know your cohort uh, in order to just kind of keep fostering that yeah that's a great question um so some context is there's 25 of us that were traveling the world for one month each uh for a different country each month and here we are now sent back to our home countries or going there freely um back to our home countries and now we're all disconnected um but at the same time, very connected. Um, so we're using all sorts of methods like Zoom and Slack to watch out for each other, send videos, send messages of hope, um, and just help each other, right? That's one of the biggest things is really being there for each other. Everybody has different talents and skills. And it was really amazing to see some people step up and, you know, oh, I, I know I have some ex experience in trying to get back insurance claims. Oh, I have some experience in trying to find flights that are really hard to find. And out of the woodwork came all of these individuals who just had these hidden talents or resources and were able to share them. And that I think has been the biggest driver of, of connection is just that giving philosophy. <laughs> and so when you're with that, um, like, how does that say go back towards teams then like if you're say because you, you train you train leadership teams right I, yeah. um and and you're training them uh do you train them remotely or do you train them in person generally i made the shift i train them in person um, but now that i'm virtual and remote team we create orientation and onboarding and leadership programs all online yeah. Amazing. And so when you're teaching them to do that, what is one of the key fundamentals that you have to instill with a leadership team in order for that to be successful? 
the biggest is a mindset, right? And for some, it comes more naturally. And for others, I think it still can be learned. But it's that mindset of a leader does not always lead from the front, right? The leader sometimes is from the middle, sometimes from the back, right? And actually, leadership is not always taking charge, but sometimes that is supporting others to shine and others to be able to use their talents. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, a leader who tries to be all the things to all the people all the time, whereas a true leader understands that other people have the capacity and the talents to shine. And so what that means is sometimes the leader is actually, I don't want to say giving their power because power is more of an abstract thing, but they, they give the opportunity or the platform or the space for others to contribute and it's just amazing what shines, right? And it's the same thing with uh, the, the dynamic for the group that I was in. We have a program leader who was helping us, um, but really she's phenomenal, but a big part of it was her letting other people step in and realize that she doesn't have to do everything all the time, that we're all creative and resourceful individuals. <laughs> and a big part of that was nurturing the environment where we all want to step in and help each other. Yeah, and I think that's really important. Like here at the, at the studio, that's something that we really do believe in is uh, it's, it's not really trial by fire, but it's giving um, the people the ability to think um, and to critically think because I think uh, one of the, the things that I believe in is when uh, you're micromanaging and you're delegating um, everything, uh, people turn off the, the critical thinking tap um, and they just become robots and they just do what you want. And then all of a sudden when you need them to critically think, they don't, they, they just, they don't exercise the muscle. Um, and do you find that that's a, a, a thing in your, you know, training um, in, in, in your belief system that, you know, it's about empowerment? Absolutely. I love that metaphor, Justin, is it's a muscle that needs to be exercised. Right. So, you know, it, it really is interesting because I've seen it with businesses that don't develop their leaders. And so they micromanage to the point where you have, like you said, robots. And then when the time comes for everybody to need to be creative and step in and find their own leadership, that muscle hasn't been exercised. On the flip side, constant empowerment in whatever form that looks like is really important. Um, creatively and I'll, I'll give you an example even from my own business uh, is that we do things like creative weekly and we actually allocate time for each of us to do creative pursuits that have nothing to do with the business um, and quite a number of tech companies do something similar um, more so with their with their trying to find more development opportunities but for this is I allocate time on the payroll for us to just be creative and so that way, they're not always thinking about task, check, task, check, task, check. But now that mindset is when I have the opportunity to create what other things are coming out of the woodwork. And then we talk about that, right? So whether it's I decided to do a painting class or he decided to do like a cooking, you know, fun exercise. What did we learn from it? And how can that be applied to the business is always the cool bridge. Yeah. And that's interesting. I think, I think that's a really, really um, interesting way to integrate creativity. And I mean, 
would you say that in the real in the real world that's sort of like team building exercises or you know are you would you would you liken it to like that's people doing their own thing outside of of the team environment um you know and then coming back with with the that experience and and that refreshed brain or or do you feel like it's you can foster the same in person when you're when you're have a group and like you know you go out to do some sort of team building exercise where you know it's not necessarily mindless like you're not bowling or something but something that that constructively requires them to critically think and work cohesively as a team is that similar i would say it's more of the latter so it is more of an individual exercise um i have nothing against team building exercises but i do think somehow sometimes when they're executed it actually serves against the purpose when people feel like they're forced to do something <laughs> um, especially with the people that they are working with all the time the reason that i chose this particular exercise of allowing time on the payroll to go and do something creative whatever they choose is that idea is everybody has that creativity inside of them you know there's tons of people who'll be like oh i'm not creative give them space and time and you'd be astounded by what happens. Um, and really it's, it's fascinating what they choose and how much you learn about them that actually strengthens the relationship in the business. Um, for example, um, I have a teammate who's learning another language. And so every, you know, they do it more than just the time that I allocate, but that was that kind of lead in to start learning a language because, okay, well I have time to do something interesting. And then we talk about what did you learn? Like, what are we learning as you learn that language? What does that have to do with business? What does that have to do with marketing? What does that have to do with growth? Um, and there's a lot of lessons that, that um, bridge over. The key for me, and as I do my master's in transformational learning, is quite often learning happens when we're not focused strictly on the learning. And that's why we do this exercise of creativity. Um, quite often when it's too forced, like I'm sitting you down in a classroom and you're going to learn, the majority of the learning happens actually when it's applied and experienced. And so without explicitly saying it, this exercise of creativity is they're learning. They just they don't realize that they're learning until we talk about it. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know what? It's funny because children are the same. Um, and and I liken it to that um, everybody feels like, especially now, this is really relevant for anybody who has children at home. But when your children are, are at home, uh, parents have this innate need that they feel like they have to keep the kid occupied at all times. Um, and whether that means that they put them in front of the boob tube, like the television, um, or they try to do an activity or make them, you know, do do stimulating things. Um, what they forget is is that uh, letting children be bored prompts them to be creative like so so here's a case in point like we we have val here because now the daycares are closed um and of course we didn't really want to put her out there um now that uh, it's getting really widespread so you know she's there and, and we structured um a part of her day where you know we do have some exercises and stuff like that that you know relate to, to learning but then we give her time to be bored and of course the first five or six minutes of that boredom time is she's clinging on to us she's wanting us to engage in her she wants us to play um and you know we've now made it a point where we try to ignore it and 
force her to go on her own to do things. And it is really amazing because that creativity all of a sudden exists. She will tell you that she's bored. And I imagine that that's um, the same as a person saying, I'm not creative. But at the same token, you leave them for a little bit and their mind goes, well, they're not going to engage. I might as well do something. And they go and, you know, she'll go drawing or she'll make an arts and craft or she'll go play and use toys or whatever it might be. Um, but I think that creativity sparks out of when your brain gets a moment to breathe and isn't constantly stimulated. Would you agree? Absolutely. Because think about it. And I even think about my own life, you know, as an entrepreneur and a traveler and a girlfriend and a daughter and like all of these roles that you're like filling all the time. When do you actually sit? Like, even when we're in the grocery stores, we're on our phones. When we're in the doctor's office, we're on our phones. And my phone died like a few weeks ago, you know, just because I didn't charge it. But just standing there and looking up, being like, huh. There's a sky. <laughs> and it's amazing how much comes when your mind isn't occupied about a specific thing, right? To let our minds wander and explore. And I mean, a lot of people do that with meditation or yoga practices. But the reality is that's not accessible at all levels right away. Um, it takes a lot of work sometimes to, to access this. But there's simple ways, like I said, you know, tapping into something that somebody's like, ooh, this is a creative, fun exercise that does the same thing without having to sit there trying to be like, I'm focusing, I'm focusing, I'm focusing. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's different ways to achieve a very similar result mm. of, of, of tapping into, you know, what, what's going on in your mind on a bigger level. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. I think uh, I think people who are listening to this will find that uh, uh, quite a useful useful piece. So, why don't we turn our attention to working remotely? So, now this is a, an interesting thing, and this is something that you've been been working on for quite some time to to get your business to be able to to weather things like this, where you are not able to be in person. So, you know, what are things that you put into place uh, for your business in order for you to be able to do that and function and make sure that uh, the clients that you serve are supported? Yeah, I mean, it was a very interesting road to, to actually transition. Um, a big part of that was even while I was serving local clients was to start using all of the tools. Uh, so as you're familiar, Zoom is a great one. Slack is um, great. You know, some companies use things like Basecamp. Um, but the the important thing is even before you're remote is to start using those tools already. Um, you know, there's people who work in offices who already use these types of communication structures uh, because I've been experiencing it like as I see universities all of a sudden flailing because they do not know how to teach online. I've been talking to, um, I, I met some university students who were studying abroad in Chile and as that transition happened like this, they were appalled at how people, um, you know, their professors or the administration had no idea how to structure things virtually, which is kind of surprising considering that this technology has been available and a lot of it free. Um, so the fact that there hasn't been kind of that progression into at least learning about it, um, even if they're not teaching virtually. So this has been a very fascinating way to see which businesses have prepared for the fact that virtual 
work and virtual learning is becoming a thing versus those who perhaps were resistant to it have learned very quickly through, I guess, trial and error, <laughs> what it means to set that up. But, so, and so yeah. just a quick thing, because it's, I've got a thought in my head, but um, when, say, say a person from a university does maybe see this podcast, is Northwild Leadership here to uh, help a university train and get their things online? Like, um, are you able to help implement some structure and, or infrastructure for them to then take their courses online, or is that out of scope for you? Absolutely. Um, this is an opportunity that we haven't seen before, right? Um, there's a lot of online learning forums and platforms. I've even been the student of several online. Um, and what I've learned from both aspects is what works and what doesn't <laughs> in terms of learning retention. And I'll circle back to what my master's is, is my master's program is entirely virtual. And the beauty of that is really understanding how do we create experience when you're not together. And so we focus on both for businesses and educational institutes is how does that learning happen? Um, obviously, it's slightly different for the corporate world. But the more that I dive into the work with my professors, I'm able to use those same principles and apply them to, you know, the education that um, that rapidly needs it right now. Right? Is how do we create that infrastructure? And the funny thing is, it's it's not as difficult as it needs to be. And that's the that's the interesting thing is sometimes it's just keep it simple, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think a lot of people try to overcomplicate things. And even I think um, as more and more business owners are starting to move to Zoom um, as a platform just to kind of engage in people, I, I see that there's such a steep learning curve and there's such a a resistance like um, because it's new and, you know, we all resist things that are new and unfamiliar. Uh, but but that resistance is there. And I think um, when you're uncomfortable and out of your element, it, it really does show. But I think, you know, for me now that we've done this podcast a few times, uh, I'm getting more and more comfortable being in front of the camera, uh, looking straight into the lens. I mean, usually I'm behind the camera and it's a little bit different, but this time, you know, like being in front of a person and asking more pertinent questions, um, things that are more relevant and, and having better dialogue has, has really come a long way. And I think it's one of those things, it's, it's like another muscle, it's, we have to practice it. Um, so, I mean, hopefully that this helps a lot of people uh, in being locked down and getting into this, because I think as the world moves into video uh, and more of a digital environment, like this is a really invaluable skill to have. Absolutely. So then for you, uh, I know that you have a virtual assistant, much like I do, as well as like in-house staff for me, but like you're, because it's completely virtual and you were going to go uh, abroad um, and, and we helped you uh, in the back end with marketing as well. Um, can you talk about uh, how that structure works with you and a virtual assistant? Because I think people are often curious about what virtual assistants do and how you can transition um, that information and, you know, get them on board because I think that's the hardest part of this entire journey, right? Mm -hmm. I would say that the onboarding process for us was probably simpler than um, many because I went for a, a company billet that actually 
provides VAs all over. And so they actually have a, a system already where I could come in as their client and I was walked through it. So there was, first of all, was really great was once I was matched is um, an interview between me, my VA, and um, I would call him like the, uh, the engagement manager. So to basically um, facilitate that because that's so important was the fit, right? So it wasn't, they just chose a VA for me. I was part of that process. Um, another big part of the onboarding process was making sure that the skills match. So somebody can be phenomenal as a person, but if their skills don't match what you're looking for. And so there were some resumes that were outstanding, but didn't include what I needed. Right. And so like, for example, I have a bookkeeper and accountant. I don't need somebody who's going to excel at that because that's not something I want the VA for. Um, Another one was, this is a big one for me, is personality fit. Um, because I don't want somebody who's just a task rabbit. Although my VA, I, we call him the task ninja. Uh, I was looking for somebody that we can send random gifts towards each other that I care about their life, they care about mine. Um, because we've been through a lot of ups and downs as individuals. And to understand that was also really important that we don't work in a silo. Because that's not how I want this relationship to be. And as I grow my team, that's not how I want to be structured either. One of the really important things is weekly contact. Um, life gets crazy and sometimes both one or both of us are like, oh, I kind of want to cancel our check-ins, but our check-ins are so important. This allows us to keep grounded as well as to say things that might not necessarily be on our project management system, because there's a lot that happens in between the tasks. Um, and going back to that creative realm, that's when we bounce ideas off each other and um, really grow into what some of these things are. A really big thing is as important as it is to map out the projects, we take it step by step. Because quite often you'll take a couple steps and stumble and be like, oh, that wasn't quite the right fit. So you pivot. And so it's good to have that overarching, but those weekly calls allow us to troubleshoot and become, you know, be more agile to, to what we're doing. Because as we are helping our clients, we are also growing as a business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, just to recap that for, for people, it's really uh, about not only getting a person who is a virtual assistant, uh, but it is about fit. It's at the end of the day, you're still building a team. You know, it might not be in house or in, in your office, but you know, they're an extension of you. And if they're not thinking and they're not on the same page, they have different core values, different belief systems, uh, they conduct their work as such. And I think that's a big part of company culture. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people fail with virtual assistants because they try to look for the cheapest dollar value. And that might not necessarily be the best bang for your buck. I mean, people are going to Fiverr, they're going to Upwork, and they're trying to find these people who um, don't necessarily have that same uh, mindset. Um, they're, they're, they're just scrambling or they're just trying to feed, pay the bills um, and they don't really care. Uh, and, and when you're hiring somebody like that, the frustration comes because you want them to perform at like this level, um, but their capacity is only at this level because you know, they, they're charging a, a lower amount for sometimes for an obvious reason, um, but that skill set difference is, is really, can be really huge. Um, and so 
in the interview process when you when you went through with your virtual assistant like how much in-depth material did you have to go through like what did you prepare for that person to understand or to know that uh, that was going to be the right fit for you and did you have to go through one or two of them to to find the right one for you for this specific placement um because i had somebody else looking at my qualifications they were already weeding out quite a few of them um but as we met on the interview he was the first one i interviewed but it was it was a really good fit right away but was really nice was that option of like even he said and even you know the the um engagement manager said if it's not the right fit we will find it and there's no hard feelings here and that's what's really important to know is like you know as humans we're like i don't want to offend them but it's okay if it's not a right fit. And the other part is, is that continued, continued um, communication. For us, um, I look at it as I'm not a boss and you know, a VA, but rather we're, we're working together. And our calls end with, what would you like to see more of or what could I do differently from both of us? Because just because I'm the one paying, <laughs> the VA doesn't mean that I like, you know, you know, and it's creating that relationship where communication is open because, and we, we laugh about it, but he can, he can provide me honest feedback being like, I need, you know, you to post this more frequently, or I need this and vice versa. You know, I'm like, I'll need, I need this from you. And there's no hard feelings because we know we're coming from a place of growing together. Um, and that's what I think is so important, but if that's not established right off the bat, and that was something that was very clear in the interview process to me, um, if somebody wasn't willing to say no or to speak up, um, that wasn't somebody I wanted to work with. Mm, that's really good. Um, we, we had similar, um, you know, the onboarding process, uh, because our current VA is not the first one. She, I think she's number three or four over the course of the last few years. Um, but. I think one thing that people need to do, uh, especially as you know, you're developing your relationship, is to create a standard operating procedure and keep updating it as as you evolve, as you find like ways to be more efficient with your VA. I think a lot of people forget and they just leave it up here, and that's not a really good place to be because you know we assume that you know in our hearts we hope that that VA is forever, especially if you find the right one. But the reality is, is people's lives change. Um, and so do the circumstances of which, you know, you have to work. Uh, and so sometimes that VA will have to disappear or be off your radar. And then you feel like you have to start all over again. And if you have the proper onboarding process and you've documented that stuff and you're updating it uh, constantly as you evolve, that makes the transition easier for if you're going to find another person. So, you know, that's something for, I think, people to take away. That is a great point, Justin. And I would say that that's word of advice for companies, period, right? Whether it's a VA or not. And this is actually a lead into what I do as a business, because quite often when you're a small business, when you onboard somebody, you're just going by the, you're flying by the seat of your pants, right? It's okay, I'm going to onboard them. And then the next one joins and then we're a team of seven and then eight. Um, and you're just kind of doing it as you go along and maybe you're learning some things, but how are you actually creating an, 
a standard operating procedure, right? Are there things that everybody needs to go through? Because when you get to employee number 10, oh, I forgot to get them their login credentials. Oh, I didn't order them a uniform or whatever may have you. And things start to get lost in the shuffle. And when you've spent so long looking for great people who are culture fit, um, talent and, you know, have that growth capacity. And then they're like, oh, clearly this business doesn't care about me enough to actually have a nice smooth onboarding process. It's starting the relationship off on the wrong, wrong foot. And you as a business owner are sacrificing so much of your investment by not having a really smooth orientation and onboarding to the company. Yeah, and it's not only the investment, it's the financial outlay that comes with it because your onboarding process is now longer. Um, and, and the lead time for that person to get up to speed is 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 way, way more um, convoluted than it needs to be. Um, and so one of the things that uh, I wanted to see what your opinion was, um, I personally feel like people should put their onboarding document into something like Google uh, Documents, um, where it can be uh, changed, it can be indexed and searched uh, quite easily and shared, um, so people can can search it. I, I know some people are really big fans of printed documents, um, but I'm a fan of the virtual one because it's easier to find an index uh, and change and be nimble, whereas thumbing through stuff means that you have to print it every time that you make a change. What, is, what are your thoughts on that? I would lean towards virtual, obviously, because I work with remote and virtual companies. And yes, yeah, something like as simple and free like Google Sheets or Google Docs works wonders. It's amazing how much, and again, if you're, if you're a small business and you're trying to stay low overhead and um, agile, Google, Google um, has so many things available and I would say keep it simple, right? Like as you said, a simple Word doc takes one second to open up and just start clicking. Um, the other part that, and depending on what your business structure is, the other part that's beautiful about it is that constant editing availability from, from many different sources. And then also to be able to track who's done what in case you need to <laughs> go back to, to previous. back a little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, my one thing would be, is, yes, you can edit the Google Docs, but make sure you save different versions of them as you go along in case you make lots of changes. Um, it is kind of nice to say, oh, what was, what, what did we do five months ago versus what are we doing now in case you want to actually pull some of that information back. Um, but again, very easy to duplicate and um, archive. No, that's a very interesting tip. I think that's a, that's something that uh, I could I could uh, learn from. I think that's uh, something that we don't necessarily implement. We have the Google Docs on onboarding, um, but it is just ever evolving. And I've never actually thought about snapshotting it and uh, leaving it as a V1, maybe something to do every quarter or every year uh, to, to get a different snapshot. But that's, a, that's an interesting take on it. Yeah. Cool. And so... Um, what what now like in this environment where everything is is virtual um what what is the the outlook for your particular business at this point Ooh, that's a hard question um i am just as uncertain as many other businesses um is you're familiar although i am virtual a number of my businesses are not entirely virtual and so they've been cutting staff um a lot of people losing work right now and so of course 
this may seem like a luxury for some. And at the same time, um, my business, because it's virtual and small team, is able to pivot. And one of the things that we've pivoted to is to help existing businesses who are not necessarily growing, but who are moving to remote work. And so initially, you know, in the last few months, it was really focusing on how do we grow teams that are going virtual bigger. Now it's, well, clearly there's a market need for all of these businesses who were meeting in offices, even small, like nonprofits, corporations, um, or even the ones that work in co-working spaces with just offices of four or five people. How do we move that entirely remote? And for some, it's a massive transition. And for some, it's, you know, especially if they had flex work policies are, are smaller. But now it's um, creating and the structures for these businesses. How do they continue learning and how do we continue developing their cultures that are strong um, regardless? And so it's, it's a lesson for general business as well as, as for my company. It's how do we look at the market and see how best can we serve with our existing talents and our, our existing structures? Amazing. And if a person wants to find out more information, they can find you at northwildleadership. Is it .com or .ca? .com. Excellent. <laughs> amazing. Um, so thank you so much. I think this is really amazing. Um, I'm really excited to share this podcast with people. I think uh, it's really relevant. And I think a lot of people are going to find tremendous value. And if they're looking for uh, to work remotely uh, and or onboard uh, virtual assistants or to find ways to transition um, you know, their existing business into a, a more virtual space and be able to still onboard a, a team. I think that that's a lot of things that people are keeping in their mind right now. So I think that's a bright future ahead. Uh, and right now, laying out that groundwork is going to be tremendous for you. Thank you. Well, and oh, <laughs> I was going to say that just keep supporting each other, community, compassion. That's what we need, not only as businesses, but as individuals. So thank you for the opportunity to share and connect further. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. All right, everybody, thank you so much. If you guys found value in this, uh, please uh, feel free to like, hit that subscribe button because uh, everybody who subscribes really just, just, just helps the algorithm. Uh, my goal is to help a thousand business owners move the needle uh, in any way, shape or possible and help you impact uh, the communities that you serve. So. I uh, hope you guys found value in this. Uh, you can find this on Spotify if you're watching it on YouTube. And if you're on Spotify, you can go to our YouTube channel uh, and be able to find uh, these videos. Thank you very much. And Tiffany, I look forward to doing another podcast with you uh, in the future. Thanks.